Welcome to The Buzz with ACT-IAC, your source for the hot topics and top issues affecting the federal technology market. Join us each week to hear insights from government and industry experts, stay informed on the challenges facing the public sector, and gain access to valuable reports and thought leadership. Enjoy. My name is Michael McKnight, Program Director at General Dynamics IT, where we provide mission services and capabilities to our government, defense, and civilian clients. It is my pleasure to introduce to you E.P. Matthew. Mr. Matthew was selected as the Deputy CIO of the Defense Intelligence Agency in July 2021, after previously serving as the Chief of Operations for CIO. Mr. Matthew was promoted to the Senior National Intelligence Service in 2019. As Chief of Operations, Mr. Matthew led a vast, geographically dispersed team of over 1,000 civilians, joint military, and contractors to operate and sustain services on behalf of DIA and their mission partners, providing network capabilities and IT services of various classifications over to over 250,000 users, over 600 global sites. Prior to serving as Chief of Operations, Mr. Matthew served as the Chief of Corporate Engagement for CIO, where he functioned as the CIO representative to agency directorates, combatant command J2s, operational commanders, and intelligence community senior leaders, enabling mission success through the provision of IT capabilities to over 50,000 users. Mr. Matthews' previous leadership assignments within the Defense Intelligence Agency included serving as the Chief of Applications and Infrastructure and working for the Chief of Staff on process improvements efforts within multiple directorates. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stage, Mr. E.P. Matthew. Good afternoon. Uh, I know I'm standing between you and Cheesecake, so uh, I promise everything I say is tailored for either our vendor community or our federal community. So uh, I want to talk about um, you know, what keeps our director up. Um, DIA stands for Defense Intelligence Agency. Our mission is to provide foreign, you know, intelligence on foreign militaries to either prevent or decisively win wars. So about five things you know, keeps up our director uh, up at night. Um, I think number one, you can figure out China, 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 right? Um, we don't see majority of the things in the news. They are, in, you know, they are becoming emboldened, they're becoming brazen. Um, and from a military perspective, from a technology perspective, from a people perspective, and President Xi has openly said by 2027, right, he wants a one-China policy, meaning the takeover of Taiwan. I think the second thing that keeps our director up at night is the crisis in Russia and Ukraine, right? Uh, Putin has increasingly used, um, or has used increasingly escalating rhetoric, right, threatening uh, nuclear capabilities. I think the third thing is North Korea. This year alone, North Korea has um, launched 23 missiles. And um, if you're the PACOM commander, uh, and again, our goal at DIA is to provide intelligence to our combatant commanders, 
you know, you have to think, how much time do I have before once that missile, missile is launched, where does it go? Is it, going, is it aimed at continental US? How much time do I have to react? And when do I have to make those decisions? Right? A lot of these things are not really talked about in the news, but the PACOM commander uh, faces those, those challenges. I think the fourth thing is Iran. And what is Iran doing and its um, position in the Middle East? Right? I think it's well documented. It wants to be a nuclear power. Um, and you will see uh, that uh, if you go to our DIA website, we have, we have shown on the, at the unclassified levels Iran's role in providing military equipment in the, uh, to Russia with regards to the Ukraine crisis. And that doesn't even talk about things that are happening in Sudan, Syria, Afghanistan, and the crisis between Taliban and ISIS-K. Right? So the world is in a very uncertain place, right? So against that, um, as a deputy CIO, and along with multiple technologists sitting here, how do we provide a decision advantage for our policymakers and our warfighters? So I want to talk about like five or six things that we need industry's help in, right? So number one is JWIX modernization. Let me explain what JWIX is. JWIX is our air-gapped top secret network. The way I explain JWIX and what DIA's role is, everyone knows the taking down of UBL, right? The killing of UBL, Osama bin Laden, right? On one side you saw the president and the national security team, and on the other side you saw Aladabad, right? That conference was set up by DIA CIO. This is what we do. And the reason why that's so important is because if you go to a crisis with a peer competitor, or near-peer competitor, the first thing they're going to attack is your networks and your infrastructure. If you take out your networks and your infrastructure, you take, your, you take out your command and control, right? So JWIX modernization is very important for us. Uh, we've gotten the most amount of money that we've ever had in DIA CIO's history to modernize that. So what are we looking to do? Number one, we have three levels of efforts, like tech refresh. Right? Um, I think we've seen multiple breakout sessions talk about the modernization. So one is tech refresh. Not just the equipment, but also bandwidth and redundancy. Level two is to create an inspection program. Because JWIX is really the highway, right? It's really the, the highway that connects the intelligence community and the DOD and the federal government together. It's just the top secret network. It's just the highway. Um, but we accept risk if an agency does not keep good cyber hygiene, right? And a risk accepted by one agency is a risk accepted by all agencies. A foreign adversary is going to exploit the weakest agency from a cyber perspective to use that as a launch point into other agencies, right? And so our, our level of effort is is that to do that cyber inspection and to keep that cyber hygiene. And the third aspect that we need your help in is to modernize the JWIX architecture. Our architecture is about 30 years old, right? So how do we modernize the architecture knowing the threats of China and Russia, right? So how do we focus on redundancy, resiliency, right? Modernization of self-healing and new architectures that are available in the commercial space. 
The second, the second area we need your help is DOTUS modernization. So DOTUS is the local area network. Um, and in that also we have three levels of efforts, right? I think if you look internal to any federal government, majority of the desktops, servers, applications, LAN switches are all old, right? So we are creating a roadmap identified by age of equipment, um, number of users, risk to mission, right, and the likelihood of failure. We've come up with these you know, to develop an analytic to do a tech refresh of that. The second piece is to adopt zero trust, to adopt a zero trust architecture. And this becomes very important because typically most federal agencies are designed in a federal, in, in a network boundary defense, right? That's how the architecture is, network boundary defense. So we have a strong network boundary defense, right? But as you move and see the advancements of China, we see three things. Number one, China is looking to control the long-haul communication. More specifically, they're looking to set the standard for long-haul communication. Number two, they're looking to identify the cybersecurity standards and set the cybersecurity standards. And lastly, and more scary, is they want quantum supremacy. And if you have these three things, what you really have is the access to all the data. Right? So you have to anticipate your foreign adversary is not going to be attacking from outside, but potentially couldn't be inside your environment. And if your foreign adversary is inside your environment, how do you design and protect your most sensitive data? And that's our goal, right? By implementing those zero trust architectures, we will get a significant amount of money in 24 and 25 for that. And we would look, we would love industry's help for that. And lastly is we want to redefine the desktop of the future. Again, today, old architecture, how do I take advantage of cloud computing? and the things that are available in the cloud um, and move and adopt those capabilities. Um, and if you're in our environment, you'll understand those things, but if you're not, it's basically a lot easier for us to adopt a service than to create a service. The third thing that we're looking to modernize to give our decision, and, uh, decision partners an advantage or our policymakers and our warfighters an advantage is establishing partnerships with are Five Eye partners. Five Eye stands, you know, for five countries that work together, you know, which is US, UK, Canada, New Zealand, and Australia, right? And we share intelligence. So how do we modernize that network that we can share intelligence? But beyond that, our NATO partners, and more importantly, our non-traditional partners. If you look at Ukraine, there are over 30 countries that are involved in that fight. How do, you how do you communicate intelligence in a manner that is, that is relevant? And what we see, especially with the, with the ability of open source, everyone is a collector. That didn't exist you know, with the war in Iraq. It exists today. Everyone is a collector, right? In the, Taking down of UBL, there was a college student in, a, in Allahabad, and he tweeted, helicopters flying over Allahabad. That has expanded today. Everyone, on, whether on Twitter, Instagram, whatever social media, you can collect and you can now get that information. 
well, how do I now share that with the countries that are relevant? Because what I really want to be is in the intelligence business and not in writing the first edition of the history report, right? The, the, the difference between intelligence and history is really time. And the most important part of intelligence is the ability to disseminate it to the right people at the right time. So how do I, how do I, not I, but how does the US share intelligence with multiple partners? We see this with regards to China, right? How do we establish, how do we establish those partnerships? You know, if you think of the PACOM commander in the time that he has, imagine how much time our partners in South Korea and Japan have, right? I think the fourth thing um, we're looking to do is to get, oh, I'm not wearing my badge, but to, if you have a, a blue badge, right, that is, you've got to get a TSSCI clearance with Polygraph. It's very hard to get a software developer uh, with that, right? The cost of getting a software developer with a TSSCI clearance and Polygraph is quite expensive. So one of the things that we're looking to do, and we would love industry's help, is to build a software factory on the unclassified side. How do I build that software factory, minus the data, and then take that data up to our JWIX environment or our high side environment and integrate that with the data? We're looking to do that in 23 and also moving into 24. By doing that, you can recruit students. I see graduates here, but you can recruit uh, students who don't even have to know that they work in the intelligence community, right? Uh, we can give them two-factor authentication. A CAC card is very easy to get. We can get, you know, you can get uh, researchers, academia, um, industry partners, right, who can work from home and they don't have to be inside a fence like we are. And so our goal is to do those things. The next evolution that we're looking to do, uh, right now, our directors made a significant investment in modernizing our HR system. So today we struggle with uh, recruitment, um, process improvements uh, with regards to HR systems, PCS, right, when you had to deploy. Um, and so one of the things that we're looking to do is to modernize this, including, inc including adopting a brand new HR system. And we have set aside money in 24. So we would love to hear from industry on what is the best of breed so that we can adopt that system in order to improve our hiring processes and our business practices internally. We have two more, I have two more things um, that I want to talk about. One is Mars. Mars is our, what we do for our basic foundational intelligence system, right? It stands for Machine Assisted Analytical Rapid Repository System. It's the way in which we share with our partners basic military intelligence, right? So order of battle. And we are in the process of modernizing our order of battle. We're moving from a static-based system to a dynamic-based system. So what we've done is we've already built in 23 an order of battle and infrastructure module. And in 24, where we need help in is building a cyber module an advanced mission intelligence module, and the ability to identify 
data, tag data, discover data, and disseminate data. Lastly, as we move into this new era of unknown, um, we in the, in the IC community are switching to a cloud-based model where previously we only had one cloud provider, and that was Amazon. Now we are moving where we will have five cloud providers. So Amazon, Microsoft, Google, Oracle, and IBM. So how do I build an infrastructure that is in interoperable among clouds, but also interoperable among my foreign partners? Not easy, right? I have to think about not just what is good for DIA, but really how do I share that intelligence across many foreign partners? Because if I can't share, then right, the, the intelligence value becomes limited, right? So interoperability, it becomes a key thing, right? So I think one of the questions, you know, people be thinking, how can, these are the five big projects or five or six projects that I mentioned, you know, moving forward in FY24 that we've set aside significant amount of money. Um, at DIA, DIA-CIO is about an organization of about 4,000 and at the unclassified, unclassified level, about a billion dollar budget. And so we look forward to working with industry, academia, and our federal partners to achieving these goals. And uh, we'll open up the session for Q&A for EP. I did have a question about what can industry do to help DIA move forward, but EP already woven that into his talk. So we must be kinetically thinking when we prepare for this brief. So does anybody else have a question for EP Matthew? And we got about six minutes before we move to the next thing. Rod Atkins with Accenture. Um, can you talk a little bit about the decision velocity that is going to be needed as you bring in more partners, more data sources, more, you know, quote unquote governance that'll be needed? So any, any perspectives on how you actually make decisions faster given the challenges you described geopolitically? Yeah, 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 yeah. So today, the way we are doing it today is we do it through bilateral, bilateral networks, meaning point-to-point -point networks. Pick a country, right, um, Taiwan or whatever country you can think of, right, and we do bilateral networks, point-to-point. -point. It's very difficult, again, against the speed of velocity, right, and in, again, intelligence wins. The ones who adopt integration and the ability to adopt at the, at the speed of mission are the ones that win. And what we're looking to do, architecturally, that, does, that model does not work. Because if I have to have five countries involved or seven countries involved, I gotta talk to each one individually, bring all those things together, and then you know, it, it doesn't work. And what we're looking to do architecturally is move from that point-to-point -point connection to the, a hub-and-smoke manner, where you can now dynamically create connections with multiple countries based on community of interest and based on topics, right? So that is our pathway forward. Thank you so much for your message. Uh, question on your cloud strategy. Um, all of the cloud providers um, at the table working collaboratively together, I'm presuming maybe there's one cloud platform and the others are software as a service cloud providers, or are you thinking multi-cloud platform because that is challenging. Yeah, um, so it depends on what the situation is, right? Am I, um, so for DIA, and this is not true for 
every intelligence agency, but for DIA, the J2s, which is the intel providers at every combatant command, is our customer. It is not only our customer, our, as an extension of DIA. So I think of two things. One, design for failure, right? So if you're a cloud provider or if you're a vendor partner, you have to think of design for failure, right? Because a foreign adversary, if you put everything in one central location, a foreign adversary is going to destroy that one location and you don't have access to that data. But I have, you know, the J2 sits at every combatant command. So think of UCOM sits in Europe. You have Korea. You have... Um, Paycom in Hawaii, right? You have Stratcom, Nebraska, right? Uh, Northcom in Colorado. Um, and so um, you have to think of all these particular things. So how do I provide, if the, I look at those, knowing those locations, right? CENTCOM in Florida, knowing those locations, I think of latency, I think of design for failure, I think of resiliency, um, right? And based on that, I will choose an architecture that makes best sense, knowing the risk at hand. Hello, Tunadine from Celerans. So you talk about the HR system. HR system is a quite common system. So uh, how does government uh, and the DOD specifically handle shared services like HR system? And do agencies uh, share best practices? Thank you. Yeah, yeah, so this is a, um, we will receive the money in, in 24, right? The director has set aside. So the way program build works uh, is the director had made a decision uh, last year in 22, but program, the way program money works is two-year out money, so it starts in 24. The HR team has already formed. Uh, you know, that includes hiring of multiple people and surging of multiple people to build this particular system. We are, DIA is in the process of putting an RFI out uh, to get ideas from industry, so you will see that shortly uh, from DIA, and then with the intention of once they get, that, they get that RFI and get inputs from industry, they will write an RFP out in FY24 to select an HR system. Uh, Tim Rond, I have a real quick question about, we've been hearing about the National Security Memo 10, and I think for the Intel community it's three, to do this inventory of the, in, in advance of the quantum security stuff. What's DIA going to do about doing that inventory? Are you using tools? How are you going to scrape and find all those uh, cyber modules? Yeah, um, so the way I think is, you know, uh, quantum computing for us in intelligence, quantum, quantum computing is, uh, is bad. China is looking to advance in that. Quantum encryption is good. So how do we, how do, we do that? So we, um, typically we have tools that, um, that identify um, where those locations are and what those locations are. We work with um, NSA in modernizing uh, those encryption standards. Our goal is to be one step ahead. All right, thank you so much for your time. Thanks everyone. And that's a wrap on The Buzz with ACT-IAC. Join us next week for more hot topics and top issues affecting the federal technology market. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. And follow us on Twitter at ACT-IAC. More information about today's show can be found in the episode notes. For more insights, visit www.actiac.org. Thanks for listening.